Look, you're not getting a cut intro this week, okay? Life is super busy, and one day we'll explain everything to you, but just know that, it, hell, you're not even getting a full episode this week. That's right, that's how busy we are. My god, you, you know what we had to go through to cram in one hour? It, it's insane. It's complete insanity. But hey, just remember what you pay for the show, and uh, be happy with that, alright? Ah, what the hell happened this episode? Um, I don't know. I probably make some dick jokes. What else? Um, gee, I wonder if Eugene will find a way to cram Top Gun into an episode. We'd probably give thumbs up to some shitty movies. There's a good chance of that happening. I mean, it is this show. I'm so busy, dude. I, I'm so ungodly freaking busy. I'm not. Don't mind. My my yeah, I, my GPS said ETA 3:30, and I still had two more stops, and I had to pick up um, Holden at 3:30 so that I could be here by 3:40. So uh, I mean, just down to the minute. Go speed racer. Go speed racer. Go speed racer. Go. Bet your yep. bet your sweet ass. I did. I went. Oh yeah, I. Same here. That's all. I mean, we've been we've been talking through the week, so we know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one. Maybe at the end of summer, we'll address what what was going on. But you know what? Let's do that. Let's. There, there. It, it'll be interesting to for any of the listeners that are like, "What?" There's just a lot of crazy shit going on in our lives right now. No doubt about that. My so. lord. But hopefully it doesn't affect affect the show too. Um, this one here obviously did a little bit. Hopefully it won't affect every week. I don't think it will. I don't think so. I, I'm not expecting much out of this show today. I. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could pick our nose for about five ten minutes and call it a day. And there you go. There's your episode. And you know what? I'm gonna leave an hour and ten minutes of dead space at the end of it so that it looks like a full episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so basically this is gonna be like a full moon podcast or a Corman podcast or any number of really schlocky movie podcasts where there's maybe five minutes of cool shit and then an hour and ten minutes of nothing. I'm just going to sing. I'm going to hum for a uh-huh. Okay. <sighs> My God. Are you ready to talk about some movies, sir? Yeah, and I'm not even sure what the plan is today. Like, I know we're obviously going to do a roulette and we're going to do our... the our little game thing, and then we're going to save the recently watched for when we have more breathing room, or are we just going to kind of wing it? And well, I figured we kind of wing it. I know there's at least one movie I want to review. It won't take long, but it was something we had talked about, uh, so I, it's relevant to the last episode. That's why I want to talk about that. Maybe one or two, but nothing too crazy and recently watched, and it will be a shorter episode, obviously. Uh, but hey, who knows? If we whip ass through the roulette and get on with the game thing, and then, you know, let's we'll see how much time we have. Okay. Okay. Let's go to the roulette where we dive in the ocean of cinema and try and find those gems in the rough. And last week it was Wind River up against Infini. Wow. Could not have two more diametrically opposed movies if ever there were. Uh, but you get to go first. So please, I'm dying to know what you think about Infini. Infini. Um, it, I, my expectations were, I mean, we're in check, I think, just because, you know, you're like, it's kind of like this movie and kind of like this movie, but, but way lower than that. And you're right. It, that is exactly what it is. Um, it felt very, 
uh, it felt very really trying on almost no money. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, it's a couple sets and some effects okay, and the acting is okay-ish. I'm not disagreeing with anything so far. Um, I didn't hate it, uh, but I mean, it's kind of uh, it's roulette-y. Yep. I, it's it's not. I, I mean, it might be slightly lower than middle of the pack, but it's. I mean, people going crazy is kind of cool, and I mean, it's with a much bigger budget and better production value and everything. I would have, I could have seen this really being a good movie. Wait, wait, are you but, saying that it did? You mean it was the lower than the middle of the pack for roulettes or just movies in general? No, for roulette, for roulette, it's middle of the pack. Yeah. Ish. Okay. I accept um, that. But I see the budget of 800 – supposedly the budget is $800,000. But even that like on a brand new or newer sci-fi movie that relies on you know certain things to make it work, it, this felt like it should have had a budget of closer to like 20, 25 million. To me, that's – this is just me. Right. Here. Um, having said that, I mean it is what it is. But uh, – I mean, I'll, obviously I'll take Event Horizon any day, but it's not in the same league at all. Right. So I get it. I mean, and there was some dead space in there, video game dead space. Like it, it yes. felt like it was kind of yes. riffing on that a little bit. And I just, I would have, I'm like, oh, there's a good movie in here. It's just, it's got a much bigger budget with the story that you're trying to tell. And the acting, again, the, the lead guy, um, I'm on, I'm Daniel Mc. Person, eh, okay. Uh, were you hating life when you were watching it? Oh, dude, this week has been just brutal. And what? no, 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 yeah, no, no. Getting, that's not what I meant. I meant when you were watching your roulette movie. Oh, was it one of those where you're watching and you're like, I just hate every minute of this? No, 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 no. It was not that. And that's it what was, I was. That's about the level I was at with watching this movie. And I think I came off a really bad roulette, and I was having the flu or something when I watched it. And so I was like, not bad. Dude. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. This is, I will, you know, I would take this any day over well, 50% of the other yep. garbage that I watch for real So it so, is above the middle of the. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now I'm kind of trying to talk myself into thinking, <laughs> hey, not bad. That's all right. That's. No, it was, it was okay. I mean, it was worth one watch. I won't watch it again, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. There you go. Cool. That's, I mean, that's not far off from where I was. Okay, over on my side, Wind River. And I don't have a synopsis up. And I don't really want to read that one anyway. Whatever it is, it, it might... It, how do I put this? This movie is not what I expected it to be. And uh, from the trailer, it looked like just a murder mystery. And I guess it is that. But there is a harder edge thriller and mystery aspect to it that I love. That I, th I think a lot of times especially when it's trying to catch the killer type of movies, I think far too often they're Law & Order episodes when what I want is seven. You know what I mean? I want a mm -hmm. real whodunit where I am involved in the characters and the clues, and when they find one, I'm like, oh, shit, maybe it's this or that, you know. And that type of mystery doesn't come around all that often. It's the ones that really, really stand out. And they, I, I guess because I'm fascinated by the writing aspect of it, because it seems like it'd be really hard to write a really good mystery like that, because you'd almost have to construct it backwards so that you mm -hmm. have a trail of clues for the people to follow. And I, I'm pretty fascinated by that from the writer's side of things. 
And in that respect, Wind River was almost a complete home run. I, uh, this movie is great. And I don't really want to tell you too much about it other than, uh, they, it starts off with a girl running through the snow. This is, I don't know, oh, Wyoming or Montana or somewhere on an Indian reservation. And Jeremy Renner kind of gets wrapped up in it, but he's not, he's just like a game warden type guy, but he discovered the body. So he kind of accidentally gets wrapped up into helping solve this murder because the FBI won't classify it as a murder because the girl died of cold, even though it was, she was clear that she was raped and somebody chased her who goes running out in the minus 40 with no shoes on in the middle of the night. You know what okay. I mean? Yep. So it, it does get classified as a murder, but they won't put that on the district death certificate. So the FBI won't, won't do anything about it. So there's okay. a lot of aspects going on in this movie of like American government and Indian relations, which is really interesting and a kind of a topic that I'm very interested in. Um, cause I think we've done a lot of awful things to native Americans, obviously. So there's that side of it. And then here's where you will be more interested in it. <laughs> there are a couple of instances of fairly extreme violence in this movie. Like, Oh, good. So meh. Means not my wife. Well, but I it might still be okay because it's not like gore, really. It's just sort of like, wow, I didn't expect that gunfight and gunshot to the head and shotgun to the chest. And, you know, it's just kind of bullet wound-y stuff. Okay, but it okay. Was, it was to the level of where I was like, whoa, uh, I did not expect a gunfight to break out here. Or, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I don't want to say too much more. But it only happens like maybe three times in the movie. I liked the way the story went. There was one aspect of it that I did not like, but it's a spoiler, and so I can't talk about it until after you've seen the movie, which you definitely should. I give this one high marks. This one gets a, a nine easy. This, oh, wow. This was a great okay. movie. This definitely belonged on the Oscar list. I mean, was this up for Best Picture? I don't think it was up for Best Picture. It was up for something. It, I mean, yeah. Well, it deserved Oscar talk. And I think part of the reason why... I was dissuaded from being interested in it for the longest time was because of the trailer. I thought the trailer was just like, oh, hum, okay, it's a mystery thing. But if the trailer would have given more away of how this movie really is, then it would have given away too much. So it was a bit of a conundrum there for me. I'm glad that I watched it. Very glad. I'll definitely buy this one. Um, I Man, it was a damn good movie, and I think you would enjoy it. I think, I mean, it might be a bit... I don't know. I think Joni would be okay. I mean... It's yeah, yeah. Good luck. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she sat through um, some spaghetti western last week that, uh, that I might, if I have time, I'll review. And so, yeah, she can sit through Lee Van Cleef. She can sit through uh, Jeremy Renner. It's it's got some mean stuff in it, though. I mean, it's not a full on seven level, but it, uh, it's it, I really enjoyed it. Cool. And Excellent. I can't imagine you wouldn't enjoy it either. Oh, and fantastic filmmaking, too. Just absolutely, f like, the technical stuff. Huge. I mean, I think you might have been able to trim a little bit out because there's these huge sweeping shots of snowy country, and there's also, like, a couple of scenes where, okay, we got to get in our trucks and we got to drive over to so-and-so. We're going to drive over. You take the snowmobile over the mountain, and we'll just kind of all meet up at that camp together. Okay. No problem. And then we follow them for what feels like five minutes just watching them drive around. No talking or nothing, just watching the vehicles drive around. It's like, well, I don't think we really needed that, but 
okay. <laughs> so that's a very, very minor nitpick. Definitely going to check this one out. There you go. Wind River. Next round. Okay. Heading your way. First up is Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Uh, starring Jimmy Kennedy and Michael Gross. Um, directed by someone. Um, yeah. There you go. Direct to video, Netflixy thing, whatever. It's an hour and 38 minutes, which is probably 20 minutes too long, but, um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, next up is, um, Anon, I believe is how you pronounce it, starring Clive Owen. Uh, this is the same run time, hour and 40 minutes, in a world without anonymity or crime. A detective meets a woman who threatens their security. And, uh, the trailer I did watch, and I do think that that looks, uh, that looks pretty good. In fact, I, I went and checked out what the, uh, the director has done before, and, uh, he was the, uh, writer on, uh, Gattaca and Truman Show and, uh, Lord of War. I'm like, ah, that's kind of a good, you know, good writing list there. And, uh, he actually, and he directed Gattaca as well. Um, oh, anyway, yeah. So. He also made that Justin Timberlake future movie. Did you ever watch Gattaca then? I have not, but I did watch In Time. That's the one with uh, ugh, like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Trust me, Gattaca is not that. Yeah, Gattaca across the board gets pretty much good reviews. I actually have that on Blu-ray, and I just I haven't watched it. I know. No. I, I think about it all the time. I'm like, you still haven't watched that movie. I've watched it three huh. or four times, and it's, and it's almost like it's it's kind of mid '90s. So I'm like, eh, it's mid '90s. Nah. I think it's mid '90s, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's. Maybe you're right. I think it's late 90s. But at any rate, it is a damn good movie. It's not an action movie, so don't be expecting that. But it is a damn good movie, and it is certainly not in time. I was super hyped to see that movie because of Gattaca, and then I saw it in the theater, and I was like, blech. Yeah. So. Yeah, I watched that one once. I like Justin Timberlake and all, but yeah, that was not good. No. Stick to comedy and singing. Uh, okay, uh, last up is Psychokinesis from Sang Ho Yeon, I believe. After drinking water from a mountain spring, a bank security guard gains telekinetic superpowers, which he must use to save his estranged daughter from an evil construction company as a superhero. That sounds so cool. Uh, it's funny, all three of these movies have almost the, the exact same runtime. So, hour and 40 minutes, there you go. All right, and coming your way. Manhunt, a Chinese pharmaceutical lawyer framed for a vile crime, teams up with a sharp-witted Japanese detective to stop a dangerous corporate plot. Um, 109 minutes. We got uh, double-fisting guns and spinning around and all of the doves that come right along with a John Woo movie. This is a John Woo Netflix original, I believe. And the trailer looked very much like that. Almost to the extent of eye-rolling. Next up, Meeting Evil. 89 minutes. When a stranger comes to his door seeking help, John's generous nature leads him to become entangled in the man's lunatic spree of violence. Luke Wilson and Samuel L. Jackson. And lastly, Tremors 6, because we both threw it up there this week. <laughs> so I thought, ah, what the hell, we'll just keep it up there. It's one of those weeks, just, yeah, yep. it's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I actually stopped with, like, the first ten minutes of Tremors 3, I think. I think that was as far as I ever got. But you've watched them all, haven't you? Yep. Okay. Watched them all, for better or worse. Oh, oh, it's all worse after one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as they came out of the ground with those little graboids thing, was that two? The what? I don't know. There was, at some point, they started to have... A they're called ass blasters. I'm like, that's not funny, and that's <laughs> stupid. 
It's stupid. Uh, but I watch them. I'll watch them all. It's too bad. That first one scared the shit out of me. And I, I it's a was great a legit movie. good movie. Yeah, and then it just went comedy. Anyway, I hear there's a Tremors TV show in the works with Kevin Bacon. Oh, really? Yep, that's what I hear. Okay, you get yeah. to go first. What what would be your poison, sir? Oh, well, by all means, let's let's do Tremors cold day and you know where. <laughs> Why not? Because the other two sound so good. I'm <laughs> tremors for you. Oh, oh, yeah. No, it's. I mean, honestly, I, I, it's gonna suck. I'm sure of it. But the last one wasn't good. I think the last one I had on roulette too. But I'm gonna watch it anyway. So I might, I might as well, you know, leap on that grenade and have it count for something in my life. <laughs> what would that be? Other material for the show? I guess. Yes, material. Exactly, material for the show. That literally is all that will be. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, you've thrown me a hell of a roulette. That's two science fiction movies, and then you're diving on Tremors 6. I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to let you have the honor of picking my roulette this week. How about that? You can tell oh, wow. me which one you want me to watch, and I'll watch it. Huh. Ooh, wow, okay. Um... I, I feel bad, because the, the those two sci-fi movies are both look seriously legit. And, yeah, uh, Tremors, uh, well, whatever. I mean, you're diving on it, so it's all right. If we can... <laughs> I won't make you watch that. I won't, I'm not going to, um, you know, let's go with that Anon movie, whatever. Good cast, um, and solid director. It's a Netflix, I, either, I cannot imagine the movie is going to be a all-out dud. Yep. Okay. I will watch it. There you have All it. Right. Next week on the roulette will be Anon versus Tremors Six. Wasn't Anon? Wasn't he the uh, the big? I think his um, maybe it wasn't Anon. I think it was just Non, the big dumb guy from Superman Two. Oh, mm. I think his name was Non. I gotta look it up. Huh. Okay. While I'm looking it up, why don't you explain our second segment, which is probably okay. going to become a reoccurring segment. Um, so, our, TJ, our buddy, he suggested we talk about our favorite dance sequence in a movie, which got me to thinking, hey, what if we would just start to come up with random favorite things in movies? Just literally random favorite things, because everybody likes lists, right? Yep. Yay. His name was Non, N-O-N. Oh, N-O-N. Like non-bread, except that's N-A-N. A-A-N. <laughs> Keep explaining. I got to deal with the kid for a sec. Okay. Uh, so, anyway. Now, I'm not sure where Eric's going to come out uh, with this, but I came up with ten random things in movies. And I shared them with him. Now, I'm not sure if we never quite got on the same page as far as are we going to both do the exact same ten or is he going to come up with 10? And I'm going to have 10. So, listeners, you are finding out as we find out right now. But I do have my 10 ready to go, and... I have my 10 ready to go. I I, I went with the same ones that you did. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. So, then, that answers that question. Well, that way it doesn't eliminate too many things in one round. Then next week, uh, or next week, next time we do our Movie Freak's favorite random stuff uh, list, then, it can you know, we have more room for... Whatever. I mean, I, who knows? I'll, I'll maybe I'll come up with the next ten, and then you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I I had fun with this actually, and uh, as with um, some other top ten lists or top lists, or whatever. I as I was doing this, I was like that one and this one too. So I'll have to you know make that 
Oh, there's runners-ups. There, there, there's yeah, the, the, the runners-ups yeah. on this list. So, anyway, there you go. So, should we start with the dance? I guess I'm starting with just number one and working our way down to ten, or should yeah. we start with ten and... No, no. Because these aren't in any order, really. No, uh uh-uh. They're not related. Yeah. So, of course, favorite dance sequence was the first one just because that was the one that originally started this whole rabbit trail type of thing. Yeah, go, uh, and go for, for me, it. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it is, it's, it's almost a tie. No, but, it's um, not. I know which one you're going to pick. <laughs> I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Jamie Lee Curtis almost won for the disco prom scene in Prom Night. Almost. But the winner is the saxophone dude in Lost Boys. That's uh, <laughs> what, that's probably my favorite uh, dance sequence in a movie because who doesn't like greased up, gyrating, mullet wearing saxophone players? Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought uh, Friday the Thirteenth was going to take it. Oh, and I missed uh, Crispin Glover's How could you forget crazy that? dance. I didn't think about that. The, okay, well that's well. Does that be jazz though. player now? No, 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 no. Okay. That beats Jamie Lee Curtis, though. It's funny when you said Jamie Lee Curtis. The first thing I thought of was True Lies. But what am I talking oh, about? I, of course, I'm not. heterosexual. No, the so what the hell do I know? <laughs> let's go with the cheesy one from the '80s slasher. <laughs> uh, I, okay. okay. Well, and anybody that knows me, don't get mad, movie freaks, please. But you know, not every genre of film is you gotta love them. And I'm just not one for like musicals and. stuff stuff so the movies that i watch there's not usually a lot of dancing unless it's a little goofy scene by crispin glover or something like that but the very first thing that popped in my head and i don't even particularly like the scene i think it's out of place in the movie i really like the movie but i think it's out of place and a little weird but the reason i decided to go ahead and go with it is because who doesn't like watching rosario dawson dance around so i went with clerks too oh Okay, I'm not sure what made me think that you were going to go with uh, Death Proof, but I'm like that was no, that, that was Rosario Dawson, wasn't it? Well, she did, did she dance or she didn't do the the lap dance. She was Who in that movie, dance? but it was the okay. it was that other girl that did the lap dance. Okay, because now shit, that should be in my okay. Anyway, <laughs> back to you, <laughs> Eugene's top ten dance sequences. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you want me to do number two then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this list was compiled by Eugene, by the way, so some of my answers might be weird, but the best downbeat ending. This was another one that was kind of tough for me, because a lot of downbeat endings, like, oh, but what's the best movie, or where does it work the best, or, you know, we've talked about Empire Strikes Back a million times, and I love the movie, but that ending, it's a little downbeat, but it's not, I don't know, I wasn't didn't feel depressed after it. I wanted more, I was like, oh, come on, it's like, the story's not over. So... I went with the one that I felt was the most complete movie for me, and that would be Seven. Uh, I think that ending is so hardcore and downbeat, but at the same time, you wanted him to shoot the guy. Spoiler, if you haven't seen Seven by now, yeah. I guess, while you're listening to a podcast. Uh, so yeah, I went with Seven. David Fincher, one of the... I, I've often said he's probably my favorite working director right now. I Maybe... I think he's brilliant, and you're probably going to see more of him on this list. I don't blame you, because that was my favorite downbeat ending as well, was Seven. Wow. Uh, yeah, runner-up. I mean, immediately. Im- immediately when someone says, what's a great downbeat ending? It's seven. It was so effective, and it so fit what came before it. So, Seven is the number one. I, uh, because of my love of horror, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond is my second place, just because Ooh. I like... 
had that the nightmare dream feel of that movie, and then the end where it's like, oh, nope, abandon hope, all ye who enter. <laughs> Boy, I, you, you know what? I would probably put that as my runner-up, too. Damn. Oh, nice. I love the ending of that movie. That that ending yeah. makes that whole movie. It does. It totally makes that movie. You know what? The Thing would work in this category, too. Yes, it would. Oh, Ooh, wow. <laughs> and the freaks, I think both of us have are, like, we're on the same page with these. Like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Number three. Um, now, this one here, I cannot imagine that we're not going to have the same one, but maybe not. Favorite vehicle in a movie. For me, it was, um, I have two, but the first thing I thought of was, of course, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. It, that's like immediately the first thing I thought of was, well, the, of course, it's got to be the DeLorean. Um, runner-up would be the Tron light bikes, the light cycles, Ooh. and that's from both the original and the, the newer one. Both are cool in their own way, but uh, those are the two that immediately popped into my mind. Now, I wasn't... I, I didn't talk to you about this in detail, but I'm like, now, does that, like, favorite vehicle in a movie, do we, are we saying, like, TIE fighters and X-Wing fighters and the, no. you know, the Enterprise? I'm, I, no, I'm no, thinking, no, no. like... That's spaceship. I'm, we're yeah. t- vehicle implies land vehicle. Yes, land-based machine. Wow, I didn't think about Tron. The The new bikes in, in Tron Legacy were outstanding. The DeLorean yeah. definitely popped in my head, but that would be number three for me. Hmm. Uh, and I know you, what you're probably thinking is number one, but you might be wrong because it's a motorcycle, but I had to put it number two because when I'm thinking about these things or I'm thinking about a vehicle that's cool on screen, I'm thinking about what would I do in that situation? I wouldn't have a motorcycle because you're just too open to getting hurt. And that would be Canada's bike from Akira. Obviously mm-hmm. that bike is, I, th- I thought I was wondering if you'd put that in there, uh, but the number one vehicle for me and this this is a pretty easy because I did a list on my favorite vehicles years and years and years ago on Rotten Tomatoes where I had tons of pictures and write-ups and details and whatnot. And I, yeah, I'm sticking with my pick from back then. That would be the uh, V8 Police Interceptor from Road Warrior. That thing is so fucking badass. And he, I don't even know what it does because I'm not me- mechanic. But he shifts gears and then he flips that little red switch up and it pops the thing and then the air blower kicks on and it goes and then he just murders people. And Mm -hmm. that just just drives off into the sunset with my number one pick right there. (laughs) I uh, I actually like more traditional for me. I thought about for number three. uh, I thought about uh, Stuntman Mike's car from Death Proof. Mm -hmm. Just because that thing is a character in and of itself and it's such a I mean, that makes that that movie is how that car is. It's like it's a monster, which I guess then from there I think, ooh, what about the semi and duel, and what about and blah blah blah. But anyway, well, and yeah. see, I would take the other car from. Uh, I, I prefer the Challenger. Oh, the the, the ladies drive yeah. towards the end, and because of that movie, you know, they're talking about the Challenger that they drive in. That the reason they went and got that vanishing car point is. Because of the thing in Vanishing Point. So that's when I went and, oh, what's Vanishing Point? I went and tracked that down and watched it after Death Proof. And now I own the VHS. Yeah. <laughs> so that comes around. Cool car. Yep. Okay, number four. Creature effect. Now, this one's kind of vague. And I, I think that when we do these topics back and forth, we should not clarify anything. I think it should be left vague. That way it's just interesting to see what the other person comes up with. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I wasn't sure if you meant creature effects in general in a movie or a particular one creature effect. And mine, I believe, covers both. Because okay. there's so many amazing creature effects in this one movie that it's impossible for me to pick one. Because every time I was like, well, I'm trying to think of a scene, 
I just kept thinking of different scenes in this movie. So I went with The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. I mean, how many millions of creature effects? The, the head comes off and the spider legs pop out and run away and the chest opens and eats the guy's arm. Like, throw a, throw that movie in at any part that it's on, you know what I mean, at any part of the movie and you've got an amazing creature effect. That's what I did too. And I, I was, I, I'm, that's interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking of the very, very end, the Blair creature, uh, at the very, very end, but you're right. Any creature throughout the entire movie could be on this as a best creature effect. But so I kind of, mine was for the final creature, but I, I, I like that you brought that up about that we didn't, we both didn't quite know. Like we don't, and going forward too, I, these are just, we didn't really talk about these. Yeah. We just, here's the list. I, and again, in the future, let's not clarify. Let's leave it yeah. vague like that. Yeah. The thing is still, by the way, one of the best movies ever made. Not just best science fiction, best horror, best whatever. That's one of the best movies ever made in my, in my humble opinion, especially when thinking about how every creature in that movie could be on a best, best special effect, best practical effect, I think. Yep. I haven't watched it in years, man. Not in years, but that's only because I've watched it so many times that <laughs> I remember it. Yeah. Uh, my, okay. my turn? Uh, my turn. Your turn. So, this one here, I cannot imagine that we're not going to have the same answer on, but favorite what-the-hell moment. <laughs> um, and this literally, this question was actually made uh, after the answer. So, I was thinking about the movie and the scene, and I'm like, well, okay, this is going to be the question because I want that in this this segment of Movie Freaks, and that is um, Angela... Angel of Death from Sleepaway Camp. And that's spoiler, but that is the greatest what the hell did I just see ending of all time. I cannot think of any other ending like that. That is that effective. Back to you. Oh, I have two words written down. Angela's pecker. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, you made me watch that movie. I think I borrowed it from you. And I watched that in my apartment by myself. I'll never forget it. Yep. And... <laughs> I was, it traumatized me at the end of it. And it, it, it was not the pecker. It was the face and the noise that she was making. He was making. Yeah. <sighs> it genuinely creepy. I mean, especially for kind of a, not kind of, especially for a really cheesy 80s slasher oh, movie. It's a trashy, campy, nonsense movie. Like most of the movie, it's a comedy. And you're just like, this yeah, is, it is so stupid. And then you get to that ending. And I didn't, it affected my sleep for a while. Like I was, I could not clo- sleep. I just kept seeing, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. Uh, anyway. And the, seriously, like that last scene, it doesn't fit the movie, but it makes the movie, we've talked about this before. It, the whole movie is such a bizarre, weird thing. It's on YouTube, people. Go watch it. Yeah. Anyway, but there's, and, and like, I don't, this is one where I don't even have another favorite what the hell moment. It's literally, it's Angela Sleepaway Camp. That's it. And I've, I think I've only watched it two or three times now, but if I wanted to add another what-the-hell moment, it would be another uh, moment from that movie where they do the flashbacks to the ant, and the ant is... Oh, the, the ant so. is... Every time the ant was there, I'm like, what the fuck is with this woman? <laughs> okay, let's go over here, and now we're gonna do this. I think That's what mommy and daddy would Not want. at all. <laughs> Just, it was, what is this woman's trip? And in retrospect... Like watching the movie a second or third time, whatever, when you already know what's coming, you you're like, it's almost like, how the hell did I not see this coming? Because of the things that the ant says and whatnot in those flashbacks, does, like, how yeah. did I not see it coming? 
Amazing. Such a great movie. Yep. It really is underrated. Okay, next up. Score? Best score. This one was tough for me because I listen to a lot of scores. And I haven't been listening to scores in a while just because I've been busy and podcasts and whatnot. But uh, and I do a lot of listening to when I'm writing. And I haven't been writing lately. So I was like, man, what just jumps to the front of my brain? Like Wheel of Cinema when we mention a character's or an actor's name. What's the first movie that pops into your head? So I got a little bit of a list. The first thing that popped in my head was Conan. I love that score. It's amazing. But it's not my favorite. Another one I thought of was Hunt for an October. Again, amazing score. Not my favorite. Tron 2 popped up because I have listened to that thing a million times, especially while writing. Absolutely amazing Daft Punk work. But I'm going to have to go with this one because this is the one that I do the absolute most writing to because it's the most versatile as far as it doesn't matter what I'm writing. Like, so I write, I listen to music that fits with what I'm writing. So if I'm writing something horror, I listen to horror stuff. You know what I mean? If I'm writing mm-hmm. something science fiction, I listen to something science fiction-y. But this score can kind of cover everything because of the intense and orchestral nature that he made it in, but it still has enough modern tones in it that it's it's kind of up to um how do, how do I put it it's not entirely classical music like beethoveny you know and that is hans zimmer and the dark knight mm good one very good one it's an amazing piece of work and it yeah. it's you can listen to it even if you're not writing you can it's listenable it's amazing it's powerful it's moving it's it is very moving it's just uh, great. in fact it's I would say of all of his scores for the for uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, I would think that it's between that and Interstellar as being Interstellar. Unfortunately for Interstellar, the, I think you would agree with me. The audio was for the the score was a bit too high. Yeah, it would literally drown out some of the dialogue. But that was a great score too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I love. Yeah, I, that's a great. I one. love Man, his I didn't work. Think I'll... about that. I didn't think of any of of Hans Zimmer's stuff. <laughs> He has so many, dude. Have you looked at the list of his work? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Extensive. He's right up there with uh, Jerry Goldsmith and uh, John Williams. Yeah, and he did. Did he do Gladiator? He's done stuff with Ridley Uh, Scott a lot, hasn't he? That sounds about right. Yes, it does. Well, go ahead. Tell me what you were into over there, and I'll look up Hanton Zimmer. I know that you're not a fan of uh, what's what's the guy's name that does a lot of the Tim Burton uh, scores. I know that you're not a big fan. I mean, I, I gotta give him respect because the scores that he's made, he did the Spider-Man movies too, the first ones with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. The stuff that he does, it's, it's very memorable. It, it, I can't deny that. Especially that, uh, that Batman. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it was what's great it, for its time. I, I'm drawing a blank uh, right now. <laughs> Hold on a sec, I'll look. Uh, Batman score. I just, one of my favorite moments of that Family Guy Star Wars thing is <laughs> yes. <Jerry laughs> when they Gold come Smith. in and cut his head off. Yeah, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. There you go. I've softened. I've like... softened on that take a little bit, just because it's yeah. like, ah, don't be just contrary. The stuff he does is very memorable, and I've got to come correct when I, I say like, ah, oh, the score was bland, or you just it's not memorable. Well, his scores are memorable. Damn it, you remember them? Those, those Spider-Man scores, you could you could probably hum them if you give a couple minutes. And yeah. there's well, something and, and to the that. Tim Burton stuff too. Yeah. Seriously, like I. So I got to give him respect for that. Uh, But I do hold to my guns with the Marvel stuff that the only one that is memorable is the Avengers. There's an Avengers theme, and that's the only one that's really memorable. All the others, 
background noise, background music. music. And I mean, they're yeah. serviceable, but they're nothing. Yeah. Uh, for me, my favorite score is, you know, I, immediately my mind goes to Star Wars, but I'm like, ah, no. Um, I actually forgot about Conan the Barbarian. So Conan would be number two. Uh, but for me, it, uh, and this is probably cliche too, but I, I love it so much. It, uh, it encapsulates the series of books and movies. And that is Harry Potter, uh, the score by John Williams. I, especially the main theme. I, 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 if I, if I think about it, it gets stuck in my head and I cannot get it out of my head. It's so good. And I'm actually rereading the, the novels now. Uh, for my kids, especially the first two. And just as I'm reading them, I'm like in my mind, I'm like during the scenes that I'm reading, I'm thinking of that score and how it ties in so well and so perfect. Uh, so I, while I love Star Wars and Star Trek and all of those, for me, favorite score goes to Harry Potter. And that, that pretty much that score goes all the way through the entire series. And I'm not a Harry Potter fan, as we've talked about many a time, and I could right now, I haven't even watched all the movies, I, I, I could hum you the theme from Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. Yeah, that's funny. But then number two would definitely be Conan. That is, and Conan uh, would be like the first score that I can remember growing up with and loving, because I watched that so many times on the TV edit that I had taped Many, many years ago when I was really young and I would watch that thing over and over and over. It's like that, that's, that is the score. I just, that's so iconic to me as a child growing up. Yep. Me too. I love it. Okay. Let's yeah. quickly go down Hans Zimmer. I'm just going to hit on the highlights. Black Rain. That was a Ridley Scott movie. Eh, Bird on a Wire. I don't know why I like that movie, but I do. Days of Mel Gibson, right? Yep. Yeah. Days of Thunder. It's Tony Scott. Backdraft. Ron Howard. Thelma and Louise. Ridley Scott. Regarding Henry. A very underrated movie, in my opinion. A League of Their Own. Toys. True Romance. Amazing movie. The Lion yes. King. Holy shit. Immediately followed by Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes. Hey! <laughs> Crimson Tide. That's another Scott. Uh, that's Tony Scott. I don't like that movie. Broken Arrow. John Woo. The Rock. The Fan, Tony Scott again. The Peacemaker, it's a great movie. Yeah, that is. Prince of Egypt, wow. Mission Impossible 2, Gladiator. He did do Gladiator. There we go. Yep. Black Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor. Han yes. Hannibal. Oh, Stallion, Spirit of the Cinnamon. The Last Samurai, Pirates of the Caribbean. That is some straight-up memorable Shit that right is, there. yeah. No matter what you think of those movies, you're right. I mean, that is like close to being Harry Potter level, to where it's like you just that is so, so attached to that series of movies. You know that that theme. Yeah. Oh, all of them. Da Vinci Code, Dark Knight. Yeah, all of the. Ron Howard. So it seems like he's bouncing around between the Scots and Ron Howard. He did all of those Angels and Demons. Did all those movies. Inception. Bwong! <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Okay, next. Who's up? Uh, you are. Number seven. Okay, Jump Scare. And this is always one that's tricky for me, because we've often talked about, we hate it when it's the fakey jump scare. Loud noise! Or, you know it's coming because they're of the, oh, I, I gotta creep around my house a little bit. Here comes the cat jumping out from behind the corner. 
So I wanted to pick one that was really just, I felt was really effective, obviously. And the first one that pops in my head, okay, that must be the most effective one because it's the first one to pop into my head. And that is the classroom scene from the original Japanese version of The Eye. Do you remember that? I know that? which part you're, oh, very well. Yep. Scared the shit out of us when we watched it at your house to the point where we had to pause, pause the movie, go, have a go smoke, yep. and then come back and rewind it and watch it again and just be like so freaked out. <laughs> And it still works, because she says something really ghostly, and uh, it's, it's like they messed with her voice, too, and it's something in Japanese, but it's like, and it's daytime, so you're not expecting a jump scare, and it just comes flying at you from the other side of the room. Holy shit, it's pure that nightmare fuel. Fantastic. I love, 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 love that. Um, okay, so for me, favorite jump scare, and just like you said, what's the first thing that pops into to uh, my head. Uh, for me, the first thing is, well, there, it's almost like they go, I kind of flip flop back and forth with them because I like the movie as the, the one, the one movie as a whole better than the other one, but the jump scare in the one movie is better than, uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. No, no, I got you. I got you. One better, one of the, one film is better and the other one has a better jump scare scene in it. Yes. So, and, and, because I've seen this scene so many times, it's not as effective anymore, but it's still the, I will never forget the first time I saw it. And, and then subsequent viewings, it was diminished a little bit, but it's still such a great scene. And that is an exorcist three, the, uh, oh, holy hooded figure. Shit. Yeah. The hooded figure with the huge scissors chasing the, or walking behind the nurse is, I get goosebumps right now. Just thinking about that scene gave me goosebumps. I, I, you, you mentioned the title of the movie. I've seen it exactly one time and I had to turn around and look behind me. Uh, <laughs> holy shit it's such an effective scene of a of a really really good movie but it, that's the best part of that movie yes now the, the next scene is actually in the original Exorcist which doesn't really have a whole lot of jump scary moments in it at all but there is one scene well, with uh, Ellen Burstyn up in the attic in the, towards the beginning when things are just starting to be odd and she's looking for rats up there and she's up there in the attic and she's got a uh, candle or something and there's this gust of air or something uh, which actually turns out to be the butler you know coming up to see what's going on and it's just because already there's this sense of evil in the movie when that happens and the candle like kind of not explodes but this the flame goes up and she kind of gasps uh it is such a great jump scary moment and if for those of you who haven't watched the exorcist that much that's probably the big jump scare moment of the movie at least it was for me the first couple of times i saw it i'm like holy shit that is that freaked me out totally not expecting it so uh those are the two it's just odd that you know exorcist and exorcist 3 have probably my favorite jump scares even though they're not really known to be jump scary movies yeah but i like the fact that because especially not both of them but they they have such a permeating sense of evil and dread that makes the few jump scare moments in there very, very effective. I mean, and I thought of Insidious. Insidious has some great jump scare moments in it, um, but it's a very, that is a very much loud jump scary movie that that relies a lot on that, on... Yeah, agreed. Something like, yeah. Now, did you think, actually, just because uh, we had both had Seven, I remember, do you remember that scene in Seven with Sloth? The, the, The Seven Deadly Sin of Sloth? Uh, that one there is a great jump scare, by the way. I'm not sure if you remember that. That's with the guy that has been like laying on the bed for God knows how long. Oh yeah, you, yeah, okay. You okay. think he's dead? Yeah, yeah, I know. And what you're then about. the and the kind of the detectives are like kind of like 
discussing like this is pretty awful, isn't it? And then he like leaps up and <laughs> yeah, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyway, there you go. Okay, back to me. So number eight, favorite use of a song in a movie. Um, this was uh, <laughs> much like the thing. This is almost uh, kind of covers the entire movie because it relies on the songs in the movie so much to carry a feel and a a, a tone, and that is "Stand by Me," which I, is one of my favorite movies. But the '50s songs that they picked to use in that movie are perfect, and it just it helps to make that movie what it is in such an iconic movie because every song I'm like, oh that 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 I remember that movie because of oh here's the lollipop song now, and it's that part of the movie. So I, that's the, like immediately the first thing I thought of was stand by me. And of course, how do I shoehorn top gun into this list? <laughs> Cause you need to, you need to shoehorn it. <laughs> yes. And that would be great balls of fire when Tom Cruise is playing it on the piano with goose. And then I wasn't sure which song you were going to pick. Take me to bed. Leave me forever with the McGillis. Yeah. So yeah, it's in there. <laughs> top gun. Okay. Runner up for me. I, I've, uh, it's cliche at this point, the first song that popped in my head, but it's one of my favorite movies. And you know what? At the time, that movie did not do well financially, and a lot of people hated it. And I was the only person running around saying that this is the most amazing movie, one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen. Uh, and that would be Where Is My Mind by the Pixies, the end of Fight Club. Oh, great pick. I That, that is always that. the first always when this topic comes up that's the first one to jump in my head and now it's got a cult following and it's kind of a bit cliche i think but it's still you know what it's the first one that popped in my head and because i didn't want to put that one down because that's what everybody puts on every one of these lists uh, i was like i want to i should pick something else but i you know what this is the top dog runner up i would say that iggy pop song from train spotting when he's overdosing it's a great pick that i didn't think about perfect day yeah. I'm glad I spent it with you. Actually, train spotting through the whole that whole movie. Yeah. The, that's kind of like sleepaway. Or sleepaway. That's kind of like it is kind uh, of like sleepaway camp. It's yeah, like, of course. <laughs> women are men, and people are getting stabbed <laughs> relentlessly, and there's uh, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> Gross, slobby, pedophile people working in the kitchen. That's okay. It's fine. Push them in it's the cool like you're that. Yeah. Um. Uh, that man, uh, sorry, I derailed you. The train spotting, uh, yeah, every song oh, on that. Th- that whole th- that whole soundtrack is, is kind of like Stand by Me. It kind of it just they go they work so well together. Yep. The songs and how it ties in with the movie. Did you ever get around to watching to Train Spotting too? Yeah, we had it at the theater and I watched it and quite enjoyed it. It's not as good as the first one, but it was a really good movie. I thought it was a pretty good follow up. But a yeah. great, not as good as the first one, but yeah, that yeah. that soundtrack on that first one had they had to do two CDs to uh, mm-hmm. get it all in there. Man, what a great movie and soundtrack! Yep. Uh, okay, the next one, number nine. So bad it's good. This almost isn't fair to throw at me because half of my collection is so bad it's good. That's it's <laughs> come I mean, come on. <laughs> we love uh, mystery science theatering movies, so I just went ahead and went with the last So Bad It's Good movie that I watched, and the movie that I just have uh, decreed will be our next commentary track of uh, Hard to Kill with Steven Seagal. Mm. I had so much fun watching this movie, and we will have so much fun watching it together at oh, some yes, point in the wait. future. 
There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually very much looking forward to watching that one again after many, many years since I haven't, I haven't seen it since the VHS days. Um, okay, for me, for me, um, it's gotta be anything and everything from, uh, from Claudio Fragasso, aka Clyde Anderson. Clyde Anderson. <laughs> I'm starting to remember Eugene. <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, and, and actually his, his, partner in crime that I believe is no longer with us, uh, Bruno Matai. These are two just gloriously it's, bad. He sounds Italian like a, a jeans designer. Yeah, but ew, it's it's the opposite. It's really shitty zombie movies from Italy. Yeah. Uh, uh, stri- but yes, Zombie 3, Strike Commando, Monster Dog, Rats, Knights of Terror. But if I would have one to pick, like, one... Um, I think Hell of the Living Dead might be, it, it's so bad that I've, I've watched it a couple times and I've forced myself to start to like it. And, I've, and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to come around on that one. It's so awful, but I'm like, uh, there's some fun to be had in there. I mean, I would pick Claudio Fragasso, uh, Fragasso any day over, uh, Claudio Fabrizio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jess Franco, which is, <laughs> These some of these movies are, yeesh. but hey, I don't think you've ever watched Hell of the Living Dead. But they use the same score that was in uh, Demons, and I think uh, some it basically Goblin score. It's it's yeah. Goblin score, which is great. But it's it the movie is it's a train wreck of epic proportions, and there's tons of stock like uh, footage of. Animals wandering around and rabbits hopping and jumping and foresty things. And like, it's, you are literally trying to pad your runtime. And the movie's too long. Like, it would be one thing if the movie would be like an hour and 10 minutes, but it's like, it's an hour and 40 minutes of <laughs> rabbits hopping around and giraffes. We paid for this stock footage. Damn it. We're yeah. going to use it. Oh, that's exactly what it feels like, too. It's like, we got a good deal on pretty awful stock footage, and we're, it's going to be in this movie, <laughs> Hell of the Living Dead. I yeah, I own it. <laughs> Double feature with rats, knights of something, rats something. Uh, <laughs> night of Terror, night rats, night of terror. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. So anyway, not to be confused with just rats and rats too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is Night of Terror. Um, God bless Claudio Fagasso. Oh, it's great. I think I pronounce his last name wrong every single time. Yeah. Fagasso. It's, it's different every Fugasso. time and wrong every time. Yeah. Perfect. Just from now on, Clyde Anderson. Movie oh, okay. freaks. Uh, number 10. Uh, wait, wait, opening. wait. I'm, I'm number 10. Oh, I guess you should go. Okay. Uh, opening credits. Your favorite opening credits. Now, this one, again, was kind of tough for me. I had one that popped into my head, but I'm like, ah, I should pick a better movie than that. And I'm sure that if I spent some time really digging around... I would find uh, five more things that maybe are better than this. But I will never forget being in the theater and watching these opening credits and being like, wow, I have never been wow at opening credits before. This is awesome. Uh, And that would be David Fincher's Panic Room. I thought it was just very creative the way that he had them on the sides of buildings and the way that you were panning around, where it was like they're included in the frame and the pan, but they are not... It's not being cheeky like... Uh, the, oh, that shitty movie is we both hated that we just watched a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, the, the car chase movie with two car chases. 
Oh, yeah, that. Oh, baby driver. Baby driver. Or baby yes. driver. Or baby, ba- whatever you want to call it. Let's call it baby driver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're, that, boy, that's... Where it was like, it's the graffiti and stuff. It's like, all right, you're being a little too cute. Um, yeah. It, it was just seemed like a classier version of that. It sounds weird to say, but hey, I remember it. It was something that's stuck in my head. And now mm. that I think about it, you know, the uh, Richard Donner Superman's pretty legendary, too. Yes, it is. Yeah. Anyway, agreed. I went with Panic Room. Uh, good pick for me. It's uh, it's a toss up. Uh, I everything in me wants to go with Silent Night, Deadly Night, but uh, I have to go with The Shining just because it's like it's the first horror movie I ever saw, and it's iconic. And it's it, I like how simple the opening credits are, but how effective they are with the helicopter shots of setting things up, um, followed by the scrolling opening credits, which at that point, and, and you rarely see that in a movie is I'm like, what there's the, the credits are scrolling up the screen, but it is, it's so effective in setting up that unsettling atmosphere for the entire movie that the shining is as much as I want it to be silent, like deadly night and the blood spraying all over the, the screen, the shining that is my number one favorite opening credit sequence. And a, uh, the haunting score, like that score, I have that score and it's too much to write to, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's too intense, but yeah. even right from the get go, that movie opens. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun. Oh. yeah. It, immediately. That is one where immediately it's like, okay, I'm creeped out and this is going to be about ghosts because it just feels like that. And with the sound effects that are used in that opening shot of Jack Torrance driving to the hotel, like it, this feels like it's going to be a ghost movie because of the music and just that atmosphere. So good. Yeah. And another thing with that movie is uh, every time that I watch it and it has creepy bits along the way, but every time that I watch it, I'm like, why is this? I don't remember. I mean, I remember this being scarier and creepier and whatnot. And it does have moments along the way, obviously, but it's when you get to the third act and when all hell breaks loose that you, you get that sense that, Oh my God, this place is completely packed with ghosts. It's not just like, there's a couple of spirits futzing around with things. It's that scene where he's running around like crazy and sees the, the teddy bear and the guy, you know? Yeah. And then runs around the corner and sees something else. And then runs around the corner and there's a whole group of people and uh, the party balloons. And that's when you're like, I want to get out of this movie. Like, I got to get out of here. You, know, like you have the, the, the feeling of fleeing out of the frickin' living room. Yep. Yeah, and I've said it before, this is an instance, there's very few, but this is an instance where I do think that the movie is much more effective than the novel. And I, Stephen King's my favorite author. My top three favorite books are from him, but uh, I've read The Shining several times, and this movie is scarier, better paced, and just an all-around better story than his novel. And that's maybe unpopular opinion, but that's, for me... Actually, I think that's the general consensus. I I need to get that audio book and listen to it. It's really hard for me to go read a book that a movie is based on when I've already watched the movie. Because then I'm just yeah. I'm spinning my wheels. Like, come on, I already know. Oh, 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 he wore pants in this scene instead of shorts. Wow. Uh, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Yeah, but and, and it doesn't help that I now kind of associate the story, like Stephen King's actual novel, to the <laughs> fairly shitty TV movie with uh, Wings. Rebecca DeMornay and Wings Guy. I, it, no, 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 does not work. Did not work. Nope. Have, however, and I think we've talked about this before, it is going to be interesting to see where they go with Dr. Sleep because I'm assuming that it's going to be a continuation of 
the actual Stephen King novel, much like, because it is, like, his Doctor Sleep novel is, is a continuation of, obviously, his own I mean, it, it is, and we've both loved it, and uh, it was fantastic, but I think that they can get away, I mean, really the only thing connecting them, and it really was Stephen King just going F you to the movie, to Kubrick's movie, is keeping, uh, what's his name alive? The, uh... Care, uh, the, care, not the caretaker, the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not, oh, man, now the skippity boo bop guy, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Scat, Scatman... Scatman uh, Crothers, yeah, his yeah. character. Is he, because, yeah, he, in the movie he dies, but in the novel he does live. And, but, and, and he's So in, answer me this, because I haven't read Doctor Sleep in forever. Uh, did he have a big role in that? I mean, he, they talked about him, but I don't think he had a big role, really. No, he's he's in it, but just in the beginning. So they could essentially, I mean, if they, they really just want skip to, right over that. Yeah, That's nothing. Uh, I, I just really wonder, like, how it's gonna. Like, are they gonna have any nods to Kubrick's The Shining? Because The Shining is one of the, you know, one of the most well-known horror movies ever that has kind of gone past Stephen King's novel. Or are they gonna? No, it's going to be more like the King stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they could make Doctor Sleep just leave out that one character, and you really, what what do you have to change? I mean, because the you could still say the hotel burned down because he didn't mess with the boiler. Mm. They just weren't there when it happened. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I, Man, I don't I know the first Shining, so, you know. Oh, shit, look at the yeah. time. Do you want to do a real quick one round of Recently Watched? Do you have time for one? Um... Yeah, we've got time for like one real quick review, and then I'm I've got to get okay. going here. So me fuck me 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 fuck. <laughs> wow. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> we're we're on a time frame here, and so my mouth just oh, gives out. Uh, the first ever movie freaks afternoon show. Yes. Yeah. Which it's like it's anti drinking for some reason. Oh, so it's speak like my mind for yourself. Like, I've put in sixty hours this week. I don't care what time it is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, real quick here, because uh, I've got one movie to talk about this week, and let's talk about Hands of Steel from Code Red. Uh, it was on sale uh, on some site, and I Sergio Martino directed it, so immediately I'm in. Uh, and I'm happy to report this is a cool movie. This is a little bit of <laughs> this is a little bit of Blade Runner crossed with Terminator. And a little tiny bit of the Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie in there. <laughs> All just mushed, mushed together into this really crappy quality hamburger patty. <laughs> Served down my throat. Um, <laughs> it's something as some dude is a cyborg and he tries to kill or he has, he's programmed to kill someone from John Saxon, but then he has second thoughts because he's got feelings or something <laughs> about Blade Runnery things. So he goes on the run and goes to the, some little um, some little hotel where there's prostitution, I think maybe, and then he starts to arm wrestle. Uh, <laughs> he, he starts to arm wrestle George Eastman quite a bit, uh, who wants to kill him, and then the guys show up. The, the CIA guys show up in the helicopter to kill him, and guns and explosions, and George Eastman, sweaty, tall, and great. It's perfect. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, and the cover is. Great. The cover is great because he's got this big Terminator robotic hand. I'm like, nah, that wasn't in the movie. That's not in there. But um, I'll accept that. Um, We're like, we wanted to, but we ran out of money. Yeah, lots of lots of really buff, greased up, tanned 
Italian eighties dudes and yeah. Oh, and there's one. There's a girl in it that, like, halfway through the movie, this this lady shows up, and I'm like, what? The heck? What is she wearing? And I'm like, oh, I get it. You're you're like Daryl Hannah from Blade Runner. That cool. Yeah, nice. Now let me get your. Let me guess. You're gonna get somehow killed similar. I'm like, yep. There you go. Yep. Let me yep. tell you what I'm taking away from this review, Eugene, is that you're paying uh, what you're paying attention to and what you're reviewing, and that is the lo- the the number of sweaty, greased up dude on dude action, and uh-huh. the females' fashion. Mm, Moving yeah, on, much uh, because I could not stay, <laughs> could not maintain composure during your review of this movie last week because you made me laugh so hard with your chick chick chickies comment. Um, <laughs> I had to go to YouTube and watch The Carrier. And OMG, this, I can't, I, wh- where to even begin with this shit-taster piece. Um, the, I, I liken it quite a bit to Sleepaway Camp in the best way. I mean, it's a, what the hell is going on in this? And who wrote this dialogue? I don't know, but this is awesome. And because it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. One thing that I think you left out of your review that is worth noting, and maybe you did mention it, but I was too busy crying tears, laughing hysterically through that entire debacle of carrying cats around and p- pushing them to random spots in the t- what is what <laughs> which is on the oh movie, my right? God, <laughs> I cannot believe I, I was in tears during that whole review last week. Uh, but <laughs> you left out, I think you left out anyway, how he gets this. Oh, there's a big creature it, that did you mention that last shows week? up in his little shack. I don't think okay. so. Okay, the uh, way that he gets that is uh, he's in his little cabin, whatnot. A giant Bigfoot breaks through the wall, scratches him across the chest, and then leaves and is never mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Did you, I did I don't even know if you talked about that because I was too busy crying last week, but. I was stunned and appalled. I was like, oh, we got a, this is a creature feature. All right. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's for 30 seconds. Yeah, it Bigfoot is. Bigfoot is never seen from again. The rest of the movie. It's just yeah, this it's dude just... and people walking around dressed like con, like condoms all over their bodies. <laughs> plastic wrapped <laughs> everywhere and mushing chickens and cats against and things. And, and this, I ever yeah, right? this that was... weird thing with the group splits into the science group and the God group for some reason, um, which made no sense. This whole movie was baffling and amazing because of it. And I'll just yes, leave it at it that. I, I, if I ever come across something like this on DVD or VHS, I'm, oh, I'm leaping on it. But. Or Blu-ray! Yeah, I'm not really gonna pay for it. I, I, I mean, 50, this movie's a 50 center, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or $28. No, no, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I, I can't believe I haven't heard of this movie before. But then I, went, I said the same thing about Sleepaway Camp, so it it totally feels like that kind of movie. And with that, I am done. Uh, coming soon, real lightning quick. Okay, I, I've got a whole bunch. Oh, I've got. A, I'm going to go first just to cut you off. I, I've got a whole bunch too, but oh. I'm finally going to watch a couple more movies. I've been so busy, I haven't had time. But I did watch McBain, and I humbly request that you watch McBain before our next recording. I'm going to. Uh, I don't think that you will regret it. What a film, man. What a film. What a cast. What an amazing cast. Over to you. Um, for me, it's going to be a whole bunch of Italian movies. Just just get ready. <laughs> a lot of Italian movies. Here it comes. Uh, macaroni episode heading your way. <laughs> I accept that. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. I'm Eric Marner. 
And I'm Eugene Weaver. And we will hopefully see you next week. Hopefully. Maybe. We'll see. Schedules allow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Till then. for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Freaks. If you would like to get a hold of us, or drop us a line, or tell us you liked a review, or hated a review, or you disagree, or agree, or anything at all, you can get a hold of us at facebook.com backslash moviefreakspod. You can email us at moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. You can also follow us on the Twitter at Movie Freaks Pod. Thanks for listening.